1: Today on the Zadecast for over 16 years, I did afternoon drive with my radio mentor, Andy Polan, and we didn't have a single championship team to enjoy the ride with. Now, the winning seems to be coming in waves. I'll ride that way with Andy today. Let's have an honest discussion about the Bryce Harper thing. Plus, we've also go deeper on the Chinese LeBron Traversy, and more. Your bonus 35 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right into it. I thought this was a joke at first, but then I did a little digging, and it's like, nope, it's real. Credit Sports by Brooks, who tweeted the following. In NBA 2K20, video game, LeBron's character in the introduction sequences gives players advice while sitting on a Learjet. What does that advice sound like? Oh, you know, the same old delusional narcissistic, hypocritical bullshit that LeBron is peddling so much these days. You know, I speak for those without a voice. People who grew up like I did. Poor, without hope. Those people, those kids, they exist on every corner of the globe. And they're all deserving of a chance. I believe no one person is capable of turning the tide. But we all have an obligation. Because somewhere along the way, Somebody picked us up, and that's why we pay it forward. Oh, my fucking God. Are you kidding me? Wow. I speak for those without a voice, and for people all around the globe, I don't – I mean, I guess LeBron believes his own bullshit. He has to, right? Nobody can can fake it that much. He really believes that he is like a modern-day Muhammad Ali Here's one thing I thought about regarding this whole Hong Kong controversy. You want to get mad about something regarding China? Why don't you get mad about the fentanyl crisis? Especially given the fact that Tyler Skaggs of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim apparently died of a fentanyl overdose, and apparently he was not the only Angels player who was on opioids. This is a major story that is getting covered, I don't want to say nobody's covering it, but it certainly is not occupying the national discussion like it should. And the main source of cheap and inexpensive and deadly fentanyl has been pouring in from China. And a number of lawmakers have said, hey, they need to knock it the fuck off. Well, what if LeBron James were to say, look, I don't have any thoughts about Hong Kong and whatever they're protesting for over there, that's above my pay grade, and that's not for me to decide. But you know what? In this country, we got people dying of fentanyl, left and right, and it's got to stop. And we know for a fact that China is a main exporter of this deadly drug. That has to stop. What if LeBron James were to say that? Would it have the same effect? Would they start tearing more posters of NBA players off of buildings? Would they cancel more Goodwill tours? Would they tell them that Space Jam 2 is no longer going to be shown in Chinese theaters? Maybe, probably, okay, whatever. But man, that would be something I'd really respect LeBron James for. Because truthfully, the, the Hong Kong issue is, I don't want to say it's, I don't know if it's nuanced or if it's cut and dry. I don't know. I, I know a little bit about it. But this is an issue that hits more close to home for Americans. And while, yes, you should care about oppression and totalitarianism around the globe, start with our own backyard. Start with this. And it'd be nice if LeBron James would speak up about that. But yeah, we know he's not going to do that. All right, let's go to some feedback here. Always can email me. I get text messages on both shows and tweets all the time. I appreciate them all. And I do. I take to coaching, I take to correcting pretty well. This one from our good friend Deb Wagner in the 509 in the Great Northwest. Zabe is a proud fan of the, quote, last MLB franchise to never have peaked at nor sniffed a World Series, the Mariners. I still remain hopeful. You know, the Mariners did go through a superstar leaves and the team gets better situation. In fact, we did it with three different superstars in a year and a half. That was before the 2001 season. Randy Johnson left first to go to Arizona. Ken Griffey Jr. left second to go to Cincy. And finally, Alex Rodriguez left to go to Texas. That's a couple of decent ballplayers all in a row. What did the Mariners do? They responded by winning 116 games the following year. Boy, was that fun. But then somebody forgot to program in the OK, now win the World Series line of code in the program as a life. uh, So that's what Deb says. And I, I feel for Mariner fans. I I know a a Mariner fan or two and uh, hopefully their day will come. Meanwhile, I got this text from a listener as a lifelong Oriole fan, Zabe. I'm very happy for the Nats. We had so many years of winning with the O's back in the day. I feel like it's your turn, but please, please help us get rid of Peter Angelos. Can't You can get rid of the old man, but the kids are going to start running the team, and I don't know if they're any better. They could be worse. Angelos is no good, that's for sure. This email from my cousin-in-law, Jim Edgington. I believe Edge is a cousin-in-law from Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you, Edge. Great guy. He says, uh, Zabe, regarding your fuck that guy about the Coors Light commercial, the official beer of going golfing when you're just going golfing to drink beer, and the one guy's hitting the ball one-handed while drinking a beer and laughing, playing barefoot like a jackass? You do realize your anchor might be misplaced. Not only were they not golfing, it was a Coors Light ad, bro. They weren't even drinking beer either. Oh, bing, zing. (laughs) It's a good one, Edge. I like that. This one from Sean in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Zabe, I heard you speak more recently about your five-hour energy dome. And how more of your listeners are getting on board with the multiple TV setup. You know what would be great is if you designed a 3TV poster. Some sort of, I don't know, official certificate that has your signature that we could then purchase for a nominal amount. And then mount and frame in our own multi-TV rooms to become Zabe certified. And then we would get to hang posters in our own domes. I need a Zabe poster all the best, Sean in Gaithersburg, Maryland. That's a kind of a cool idea, and I, I would, I would charge a reasonable amount. I'm not going to really make any money off of it, just to kind of cover the cost of getting it done and printing it and sending it out. But that could be kind of cool. I have to think about that one. And then there's this email uh, from one Ken uh, in the D.C. area, and he writes to say, Zabin, I hate to be a nudge." or that guy, but fate has tipped my hand. Yesterday, on your Team 980 show, you were talking about space elevators, and I believe you gave the date that a Russian scientist proposed said thing as recently as only 1955. I thought it was 57, but who's quibbling? Forgive me, please, if I have the date wrong. I do know that they were part of my science fiction reading, uh, reading growing up, Maybe high school, maybe later, but part of my daily routine is looking up various items and posting them to a Facebook group. Today's item is this. In 1895, 1895, Russian rocket scientist Konstantin Tsoikovsky was the first to propose the concept of space elevators, a type of space transportation system. He cites the website factretriever.com as his source. Wow. There were rocket scientists in 1895? Also, he says in your riff about the history of Hong Kong, I believe you misspoke talking about the British and heroin and the so-called heroin wars. I believe you meant to say opium and the opium wars, and he includes a link to the opium wars. Yes, I was wrong about that. Thank you. I misspoke both on 980 and on the Zabecast with uh, Jay. That said, writes Ken, I truly love your program. I feel it's the best on the station, and I do like all of them. And I like the wide-ranging subject matter that you get into and not just the sports. I hate it when you have time off and you're not actually part of your show. It's just not the same. Well, yes, I've said before, this is not a sports show. This is a me show. I even wish they would stop calling it the Steve Zabin Show when you're not on it because guess what? It isn't. I've listened for many years. I'm not sure how many. I started when I worked in Montgomery County over the AM airwaves as I then lived in Frederick County and you mentioned the TuneIn app. That's how I heard where you where, heard you where I lived out there. Now I live even further west and it's my go-to app for the Team 980. It's on my mobile and computer and I listen to you wherever I travel in the good old USA. Keep up the good work and have Adam. Signed Ken. Thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate that. Ken Hauser, Ken G. Hauser, kudos to you. I am always up for corrections, addendums, and further information. Just don't be some dick taking a pot shot for no reason. Like, oh, yeah, you're a baseball fan now. Oh, yeah. Too bad you're not a real fan. You don't go to games. You you know, you people. Save that negative bullshit for somebody else. Live a happier life, taking pot shots, for God's sakes. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this: My bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games. An excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly. And said, "Hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now, listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit."
0: Let's play ball.
1: This is the National's victory song called Go Go Red, White, and Blue. And I figured I'd use it today with Andy Poland to celebrate a truly historic moment in DC sports history. Andy, have you heard the Victory song, and what do you think of it?
2: I not only have heard the Victory song, but I have met the woman who wrote it and her husband who promotes it. They were guests on the Carol Maloney Show at ESPN 630, and they are very excited about this song, and I'm sure incredibly excited that the Nats are going to the World Series.
1: Yeah. I met the guy, too. He thought I was Al Galdi. He came up (laughs) to me at a remote. He's like, are you Al Galdi? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's leg day. I'm uh, doing some lifting right now. He had no idea, Andy, who I was, but he said, hey, this is my song, and I'm out promoting it, and uh, I was on Carol Maloney's show, and I'm like, okay, great, dead to me. (laughs) But you know what? It's not the worst song in the world, and this is what happens when the local teams win. All kinds of fun, frivolity, silliness, and theme songs come out of the woodwork. It's not a bad Oh, thing. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's fun. In fact, I, you want to go old school, you go back to uh, 1972 season when the Redskins won the Super Bowl. Ted Vactor, who played on that team, wrote a song about them, and that was a cool thing. And it got played on the radio all the time. It was fun.
1: Yeah. Andy, when you and I teamed up uh, at Team 980 or, nine, uh, or WTEM, whatever it was called mm-hmm. back then, 2000 or thereabouts, lasting until 2016, there was nary a championship to be found amongst any of our four professional sports.
2: Yeah, how about that? Now we're title town USA that, except for
1: one. <laughs> except for one, exactly. But uh, no, but you know, seriously, it's like when you're in sports radio and the teams are no good, it it wears on you over time. Uh, and there's a perception yeah. that bad is good because the phone lines light up and everyone's got their ideas on how to fix things but that's a sugar rush that wears off, you know, that doesn't right. sustain. It's nothing like winning. Winning is the best thing for everybody. When a team wins, everybody eats.
2: Yeah, there was, you know, that period of time where the Red Sox were winning championships and the Patriots uh, as they still are winning Super Bowls, and I think WEEI had the highest rated uh, sports station in the country by a-, a long shot. Now they've got a lot of competition now. But, yeah, they, uh, the winning obviously boosted uh, Boston sports for sure.
1: Yeah, so I will say this, Andy. It was even better than I thought it would be when the final out was recorded last night. How did you feel? Wasn't
2: it remarkable? Oh, my God, it, it, it's so great. Um, yeah, I go back My went with my dad to my first game at D.C. Stadium in 1966. The Senators were terrible. Um, the... Ballpark was you know not the, the the lovable place that it was become with the with the Redskins winning Super Bowls. It was a place that people were afraid to go to because you know downtown and then by sixty eight we had the riots and everything. And so over the years, the baseball fever here kind of faded. The team left. We didn't have baseball for thirty three years, and now we've had it back and and you know there's an entire generation that doesn't even realize that we didn't have baseball for all that time. Sure. And for those of us who lived without it, it was just enough to have a team for a while, but to have a team in the world series is, is just unthinkable. It's just yeah. amazing.
1: Who is the most likable of these nationals players? Cause it's a very likable team from top to bottom. Of course, when you're winning, it's the deodorant that makes everybody likable, but who, who, yeah. are, who are the more likable guys on the team? Do you?
2: Well, you know, it's funny what happened to them when they were, you know, really struggling at the beginning of the year. The bullpen was a disaster, and everybody talks about the record, which is all well known now the 19 and 31 heading into Memorial Day weekend after they'd gotten swept by the Mets in New York, where they had a lead in all the games and the bullpen blew all of them. Um, they needed somebody to loosen things up, and this guy, Gerardo Parra, who came to the team in June. Mr. After being Baby released,
1: Shark right
2: yeah yeah by by the giants i mean you know his 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 numbers don't indicate that he's a great player but what he brought to this team was fun it was uh, an attitude and they they started the baby shark and the dancing in the dugout and you know a guy like like steven strassberg who hasn't smiled in the nine years he's been here <laughs> you know <laughs> was was dancing with Para in the clubhouse last night with right. champagne spraying all over the place and i think they needed that they needed some some guy to come in and, and loosen things up
1: yeah and i think Para's attitude was hey i'm hanging on to being a major league player by a fingernail Why the glum mood, you guys? Let's play some baseball. I'm here. Let's do this thing. It was sort of a, what do we got to lose? And I'm just happy to be here. And it was an energy that was definitely infectious. Also, the team getting healthy mattered a lot as well. Turner coming yep. back after busting up his finger on a stupid bunt early in the season, uh, Zimmerman being back and actually healthy. I mean, he was the original Nat. so for him to not only be on the team but to start and to play and to have so many big hits was, I think, very satisfying because that's 15 years he's toiled here without this kind of a moment for him.
2: Yeah, and he's a guy who's he's missed a lot of time because of injury, and when he was coming back, I think he missed – Forty games or more in the middle of the year, uh, he really wasn't hitting that great. And the conversation was, "Well, geez, you know, he's been the starting third baseman, but he's really not playing all that well." Matt Adams had been hitting a bunch of home runs. You force him back in the lineup and and you know stifle things because and uh, and they put him back in, and he's he's just been great. And and the other thing is, is Howie Kendrick, you know, at, at the start of the year, starting a lot of people who cover the team, and they said, you know, the big difference last year was Howie Kendrick tore his Achilles early in the year, and they missed Howie Kendrick. I'm thinking, Howie freaking Kendrick. He's a utility guy. I mean, how how much can you miss him? Well, obviously, you've seen what what he's done late in the season and in the playoffs. He's been unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he's almost a 300 career hitter, which used to be held up as a holy grail of sorts, like, wow, Nowadays, people poo-poo batting average. Like, it's not one of the advanced metrics, so stop worshipping it. I still think there's a lot of value in that. And he's just an old-school ball player's ball player who had himself yeah. a hell of a series and deserved every bit of that NLCS MVP. Other, The other guy we got to give credit to, Andy, is that Mike Rizzo is the professional GM in town. Period. Yeah. End of story. This guy yeah. is a solid pros GM. What I like the most is he's accountable. He does a weekly radio hit on the flagship station Mm -hmm. of the team, and I appreciate that. He's not hiding anywhere, and he's accountable.
2: Yes, he is, and you could also make the case that the most valuable player on this Nationals team is Smiley Gonzalez. Smiley Gonzalez led to the ouster of Jim Freakin Bowden, uh, who we used to do a weekly radio hit with, as you may remember. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, and he was he was a disaster. He was a guy who loved these reclamation projects. You know, he would he was a Father Flanagan. He wanted to find a guy who had been a problem with other teams. And uh, it, just, it just never worked out, and he was a, you know, flamboyant kind of guy, brought a lot of attention to himself. And when the Smiley Gonzalez story happened, it involved agent skimming, you know, money being given back to agents for finding Dominican players and, and so forth. Uh, once he was out, Mike Rizzo took over, and Rizzo is just a great old-school scout you know, dyed-in-the-wool baseball guy, and he's the guy that finds these Gerardo Parra and Astrubel Cabrera and makes these great trades for Howie Kendrick and things like that. I mean, he he's just really understands how to put together a roster, and that's why they've had so much success.
1: Who was Bowden was a complete fraud, and still is. Yeah. He's now, of course, in media, which is where all frauds go to die, <clears throat> except yeah. for Andy and I, because we're media guys <laughs> by nature. But uh, Bowden also signed, who was the... Uh, who was the 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 shithead Florida player <laughs> who who had the gun issue where he tweeted or he texted a picture of a gun to his girlfriend? And that was, was that a, Elijah Dukes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a yeah. Father Flanagan deal. This was way yeah. before me too. Way before the sensitivity to domestic violence and brought him under, you know, uh, his wing and we had him for a while and he was okay or whatever. Um, yeah. he he signed some Mets catcher for like 5 million for one year. He barely played more than 4 games. Completely right. stunk. So it's great to have a, a solid GM in there and, uh, and the Lerner family, give them credit. They were patient with Davey when the mood was there to gas him after a year and a half. And here we are, here we are yeah. in the world series. It's going to be yeah. fun. Are you going to go to any of the games? Because the ticket prices are going to be out of this world.
2: Yeah, well it would have to be as a, an invite key because uh, <laughs> yes what I, what I saw was uh, the latest standing room only close to 900 bucks and parking is 200 bucks. <laughs> parking.
1: $200. <Forking. laughs> yeah.
2: Now, you know how I would travel. You know that.
1: Right? By
2: metro. A met, metro guy, yeah. Uh, uh in fact, uh, Carol was complaining about the Uber situation last night. <laughs> I just said, "Well, you know that's uh, that's the way you roll. I uh, I travel a different way, but um, you know that that's all part of the whole thing. And, and and you know the big change in sports is is what they've realized fans will pay. Um, you, you know I've talked to you about when Super Bowl ticket prices were you know reasonable that that, that you could get in for a hundred bucks. Well, you know I don't think you can go to a Super Bowl for less than a thousand now. Right. And they realize this this once in a lifetime. Super World Series situation. People will pay what it takes to get in.
1: Yeah, Standing room only is currently $825 per ticket. Bring your sturdy lumberjack legs with you because you'll be standing for the whole game and craning your neck to see what's going on. And uh, prices could go down. This might be a reach early on, but you know we'll see. Who do you want to see? Because I want the Yankees both for the uh, the name value of bagging a starlet, even if it is an aging starlet, It's a better name to have on the wall if the Nationals win the World Series. And secondly, I think they're a little bit looser in certain areas. I mean, Gary Sanchez is a disaster behind the plate, both defensively and at the plate. And their starting pitching is very hit or miss because when their starting pitching craps out, they crap out early. And they're a big strikeout team as well, and we've got strikeout pitchers. So I'd prefer the Yankees. Not that I think they're going to be an easy out. I think we'd be an underdog still against them.
2: Yeah, no, they would be. Uh, The Yankees won more games, but the bullpen situation, you're right. That's a big key, Uh, and that you know maybe this goes seven games, and they have to tax that bullpen, and they only have one day off before the World Series would start next Tuesday. That would be part of the other issue here is if you're going to win a championship, isn't it cool to knock down three of the most iconic names, if not the three most, in the history of the sport. I mean, you go through the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Yankees. I mean, how many World Series between those three teams,
1: for God's sake? You're right. You're right. That would be a murderer's row of opponents. Talk about three pretty scalps on the wall. Houston, I fear, more as a complete team. And they're a little bit more, you know, new money, new blood, and they used to be in the other league and all that. So, I don't know. Either way. I
2: I, I still think of them as National League. And also, they're kind of the poster children for tanking. Uh, I know. They were they were horrendous, and they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated when they were like you know really really bad, hundred plus losses. Sure, and it's it said you know team of the future or, or something. It was one of those Tom Verducci articles about what they were doing, how they were stocking the farm system, and how they were building. And sure enough, it worked. I mean, they they've been a great team for for years now.
1: But since then, they've been you know put it on my room bill. Oh, Verlander, put it on a room bill. Granky yeah. put it on my room bill, so they're now in the aggressive spend mode as well, and they're a hell of a team. So,
2: but when, they can do that because they have so many prospects. It's true, like, it's like the Patriots when they when they see somebody they want, they just go to the storeroom of draft picks and they get them.
0: True.
1: Now let's talk about the Bryce Harper thing, and let's have an honest discussion about this. I did not like the fact that the Nationals, as an organization, took to trolling Bryce by not only using on social media his clip of him saying. I just want to bring a title back to D.C. when he was in Philly's gear at, you know, uh, Citizens Bank ballpark. And I didn't like the fact they put it on the scoreboard at the stadium itself. I just believe in keeping your karma shiny. And it overlooks the fact they still offered him a pretty big pile of money, just not the biggest pile of money to stay here. So it seems yeah, kind of no. hypocritical. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, and he he has taken the high road, and in, in what has been really bad treatment. I mean, when he was here in the last series, and people were heckling him about his child and things right. like that, that's that's awful. And and yes, the organization shouldn't have done that. Uh, I think when they made him the offer, they made an offer realizing he wasn't going to take it, and they made it high enough so they wouldn't like look like they were cheap, but right. I don't think they had any intention of bringing him back and move on. I mean, you're going to obsess about Bryce Harper now when you've achieved what you've achieved? Forget it. Move that, on.
1: That that said, a number of people pointed out to me both on my show and on social media that hey, could you ever see Bryce Harper doing a dugout group hug? Could you see Bryce Harper dancing? Could you see him doing the baby shark thing? That Bryce Harper yeah. was always a little bit too cool for everybody and he had with him the shiny object-type aura that made true team chemistry very hard to come by.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you could say that. And, and, And look, the guys who we think of putting the spotlight on themselves are guys like Reggie Jackson, and Reggie always delivered in the biggest moments. Bryce, not really. So if Bryce had had a couple of those, I think he would have been viewed a little bit differently. But I think that he was a great player, for the Nationals, he was a superstar when he was here. And I think things worked out pretty much like I expected them to work out the day he was drafted, that they weren't yeah. going to resign him, they weren't going to pay the kind of money to keep him. I thought there would be a chance that they would win a World Series within the time he was here. And they had some teams capable of doing it, but they just flamed out in the playoffs too many yeah. times.
1: Will this now make us truly a baseball city?
2: Well, it's it's partly a baseball city now because the football team has become remarkably irrelevant, and you know, he's you, you just you, you pick up the paper now, you have to look in like page D six to find a story about what interim coach Callahan said about the quarterback situation. <laughs> and, and it's it's just, it's just unreal. I mean, when I think of, of the years of, of how the Redskins just obliterated everything. So yeah, we're baseball and other teams like the Capitals have realized, Hey, you know, jump on the train. Let's, let's go support them. They supported us when we were making our run. So it, it's almost like a universe of successful sports teams. We Della Don throwing out the first ball the other night after they won the championship last week. Uh, it's like this universe of good teams are all traveling together and this poor old football team is scuffling along in a beat-up Buick. You know?
1: Have you noticed how there has been no social media tweets from Redskins Park towards the Nationals? There's no yeah. connection there. There's no friendly, warm vibes. Is it because they know... That any such overtures would be stomped on with derision from the fan base, going, shut the fuck up, you losers out there. Don't try to. Because, <laughs> yeah. gl- you know, that would be the reaction <laughs> on social media. And I'm not saying the reaction will be wrong. I think maybe someone over there at Redskin Park has a brain to say, let's not try to do this. It won't end pretty.
2: Yeah, that that could be it. I mean, I think of a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, who's been around here a long time. You know, doesn't he know some of these guys? Sure. Heard. Anything from him? Yeah, I mean, uh, John Wall's been showing up at these games. There's that. Yeah, he, he's yeah. he's he's realized that, that there's value in associating with a winner, and uh, and and that's you know not. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's an organization thing. I don't think they told their players, "Hey, stay away from that baseball." Team. No, that's I don't think health.
1: I don't think they told them. But I also think Dan Snyder does not have any billionaire friends in town.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember when there was discussion about who was going to buy the team when, when baseball was selling it, and supposedly Snyder said, yeah, we looked at baseball in D.C. and uh, really wasn't going to work.
1: Well, what <laughs> Peter Angelo said was, I don't, there's no real baseball fans in D.C. That's a fiction. Remember that That's quote? That's a fiction. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and today on my show, we had Phil Wood, who you worked with closely oh, yeah. at the station. Yeah. And Phil we Wood, had him on as well. Phil yeah. Wood made a point to say – 20 years ago on your station, a program director told me, we are not a baseball town. People care more about a Redskins preseason game than baseball. And I asked Phil, I said, Phil, was he sort of right, though, 20 years ago when we didn't have a team? And he said adamantly, no. He said, it's not that we're not a baseball town. We just don't have a team because the last two teams we had were run by a racist and an incompetent boob.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, Phil, Phil beat the drum for baseball longer than anybody. And, you know, you, you remember some of the efforts. Remember the, the guys who used to parade around our RFK Stadium during Reds? Yeah, baseball, with baseball in D.C.
1: Yeah,
2: baseball in 87. So we're going back, you know, what, 30, 32 years now. and And I remember as a kid, just a couple of years after the Senators left town, Joseph Danzanski, who owned Giant Food, was going to buy the San Diego Padres, and they were going to come here. Steve Buckhans, our friend, broke a story. Bill Collins, who was going to bring baseball to Northern Virginia, had a deal to buy, ironically, the Astros, who they may play in the World Series, and that was a done deal until the city of Houston stepped up and agreed to build them a stadium. So There have been so many false starts. We've we've jumped off sides so many times, and, and we finally got it.
1: We got used as the mistress to get the husband back in line with their home city by four or five different cities. The, the lack of a team here in D.C. literally built five stadiums around the country.
2: Oh, no question. Giants, San Francisco Giants, we're going to move here. White you know, Sox. I mean, it, 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 yep,
1: uh, yep. It was ridiculous. Yep. Well, it's a, it's a hell of a ride. It's even more fun than I thought, and I cannot wait for the World Series next week. One quick pivot to the Redskins. So... Alex Smith apparently told a medical conference he has had 17 surgeries on his broken leg. It's a miracle he didn't have to have it amputated. I'm glad to see that he is walking, albeit gingerly, on said leg. Now here comes this little bit of information, this little point of data from one Christopher Cooley on his podcast in which he says he could envision Alex Smith playing next year as the starter in a mentor-like role to Dwayne Haskins. Now, normally I'd brush this off as, you crazy, but there's two things to consider, Andy. One, uh, Cooley is very tight with the organization, and so he's sort of like E.F. Hutton. When he speaks, people listen. That's an old commercial reference from 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Secondly, who has been at Bruce and Dan's side a lot over the last six months? Alex yeah, I've noticed
2: that. Yeah. Smith. Yeah. I mean, but God bless him. He, he seems like a, a fine fellow. But <laughs> the reality of coming back from 17 surgeries on a leg that's going to stand up to a pass rush to, oh, I guess, J.J. J. Watt, who broke it in the first place, uh, doesn't seem realistic. I mean, I, I hope it happens I, I, I for him, for his sake. And maybe it does. And, and I can give you a, a, a comp, though he was much younger when it happened. Billy Kilmer was a running back at UCLA and he was converted into something of a running quarterback when he came into the NFL and early in his career he was in a car accident and suffered a badly broken leg that caused him to miss an entire season. He came back and played for like another 12 or 13 years reinventing himself as a quarterback who wasn't very mobile but just mobile enough. Maybe Alex Smith with and you know who knows what modern surgeries can do. Maybe with the right type of rehab, he can be somewhat effective as a quarterback. I don't think so, but maybe that's the hope there.
1: If you Google search Billy Kilmer as a redskin quarterback, you will see a pot-bellied old man who could barely move with a single-bar face mask and a nose broken six ways to Sunday. He was once a running back, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, well he that's what he was when he came out of UCLA and, and nobody really remembers it because it was like nineteen sixty or sixty one and uh you know, people didn't watch as much sports on television but he was he was actually a, a a converted running back to quarterback it's like uh that's i guess what they used to do with white running backs in those days no sure. oh, no you can't be you're yeah. a quarterback
1: yeah. <laughs> andy uh big uh karmic high five to you uh good to talk to you about this run of success with our local teams Sad we don't get to do it on the radio, but I'm glad we could do it here in this forum. Thank you, buddy.
2: Love doing it. Looking forward to the run. I'll be listening to your show. I know you guys are going to probably do a bunch of remotes out there. So uh, Send yeah, Carol my best. It's going
1: to be, a, Send Carol gonna my be best. a great couple of weeks. All right, yep. buddy. Talk see ya. you soon. Okay. All right, let me finish on this story. This is an all-timer. Even the authorities in Denmark say it is an all-timer. Uh, That'd be the Netherlands. Uh, Dateline, The Hague. Dutch police found a father and six adult children hidden in the basement of a remote farmhouse where they had reportedly spent years waiting for the, quote, end of time. They discovered a man believed to be the father of the family and his children between 18 and 25 years old near the village of Runervold in the northern province of Drenthe. Local media said the family were found after one of the sons went to a nearby pub in a confused state, drank five beers, and then asked for help, saying he had not been outside in approximately nine years. Said the local mayor, Roger DeGroote, I have never come across anything like this before. They say that the family lived an isolated lifestyle out on a large piece of property in a small compound of outbuildings, uh, which... uh, Shut up, television. Sorry about that. Uh, in, a, in a large, uh, in a in a large estate on a you know compound with several outbuildings and a main building and apparently a basement where they were huddled down there waiting for the end of times. Yeah, if I was uh, that guy, I would probably myself come out of there and say, "Where's the? There's got to be a place with beer somewhere." Hell, I haven't been outside in nine years. I'm only twenty-five years old. I'm not even sure if I know what beer is. I bet it exists though. I've, I've dreamt about it down here in the basement for nine years. You come up to the pub smelling like earthworms, cattle shit, and body odor and say, give me five beers. Five? Yeah. That's a start. Five beers. Go, 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 Okay. So what have I missed? Been a while, been away for a while. Anything new happening out here? That'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow is Friday. I can't believe it. Football, five ways, Friday, week seven of the National Football League. Hug it, love it, cherish it, because it's slipping through our fingers as we speak. Plus, college football really starts to kick into high gear with some big-time, high-profile matchups that will start shaping the race for the college football playoff and the national championship. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Definitely subscribe, leave a comment, tell a couple friends, and spread the word. I appreciate you every day. Have a great Thursday, go Nats, and we will see you
0: tomorrow.